Hello and welcome to Trending Pet Food, the industry podcast where we cover all the latest hot topics and trends in pet food. I'm your host and editor of Pet Food Industry Magazine, Lindsay Beaton, and I'm here today with Vice President of R&D, Nutrition, and Scientific Affairs for Simmons Pet Food, Leah Lambrakis. Hi, Leah, and welcome. Hi, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for being here. For those of you unfamiliar with Leah, she is truly a pet food and nutrition aficionado with a lifelong passion for the nutritional health and wellness of companion animals. She currently leads a team of 25 scientists that drives nutrition, pet food formulation, process engineering, and innovation. And in her 20 plus year career, she has developed deep knowledge in pet food science. Leah received her undergraduate and graduate degrees in animal science and animal nutrition from the University of Guelph in Canada. Simmons Pet Food is a North American private label and contract manufacturer of wet pet food. Simmons supplies top brands and retailers with products in a variety of formats, including cans, pouches, and cups. These operations are in Northwest Arkansas, Emporia, Kansas, Dubuque, Iowa, and Ontario, Canada. Now, Leah will be one of our Pet Food Essentials speakers in early May as the prelude to Pet Food Forum. This year's Essentials theme is the path to product development success, and Leah will be discussing managing expectations, timelines, and competing priorities. With all that in mind, I've asked her here to help me answer today's question. What does it mean to have a successful product launch? Now, I know that there is a lot to unpack here, and it's (laughs) multifaceted. So let's start with that. What are some of the key components to a successful product launch? Well, I really think it depends who you ask. So from a brand standpoint, is the product well embraced in the market and performing well compared to the research and market insights that the company invested in prior to this launch? So is this product meeting a consumer need or is this product meeting forecasted sales? From the end user perspective, so the pet and the pet parent, uh, is the product readily consumed and acceptable? Meaning, is it delicious and palatable and are the pet parents happy with their pet's response to the product? And then, of course, are the animals thriving, meaning nutritionally and from a functionality perspective? I would also say uh, from a project team standpoint between us and our customer, Did the project stay on scope? Did it meet all the design criteria, for example? Did it stay on budget? Did we launch on time? And certainly I'll have to throw in there as a manufacturer, are we process capable? You know, were we able to produce that product efficiently and effectively as it was developed in our plants? All of those different aspects mean that there are a lot of things to keep track of and a lot of different things that could present challenges to getting Mm -hmm. to the end, which is obviously the successful product launch. So what are some of the common stumbling blocks you've seen when it comes to any of those particular areas? Is there one area that has more stumbling blocks than another in your experience, or do they all have their unique challenges that you kind of have to get through to be able to get to the end? Great question. I think the first thing that pops into mind is product claims. And um, actually, one of the aspects I was asked to speak to in this presentation. And these product claims, they can be specific to ingredient sources, quality claims, regulatory or nutritional claims. 
bottom line, they need to be vetted by the right people, by the right experts in our companies, and they need to be validated and documented to really ensure that we can consistently stand behind that claim should we be asked, and regardless, just to do right by the product and the pet parent. Do you feel like these kinds of things have become more complex in recent years as consumers ask for more out of their pet food and the top trends right now, like sustainability and traceability, clearly all of these are adding more steps to the process and more complexity. So have you seen those kinds of things grow alongside all of these trends in the last several years? Absolutely. I would say some of the claims sometimes alongside us and might derail a project. And this is where I think it's really critical as we're developing a project with our customer, we have all of those claims discussed up front. So an example would be, and, and we've been through this several times, where we will receive the packaging artwork. And this is well within the project. We're already complete on the development work. And we're starting the artwork phase. And all of a sudden, we'll see a claim like Alaskan wild-caught salmon. And we simply used our standard salmon specification to create this formula. And so we now have to stop, pause the project. So the project's already now going to be delayed. And we have to go back to, let's say, procurement and our sourcing team and say, do we have enough of a supply of Alaskan wild-caught salmon that we can consistently produce this product with? Because once it's a claim on the package, we have to stand by that. And so we end up losing time and resources that we already put into the project the onset. And now we have to do all this rework. And it puts a lot of new expectations and pressures on many other departments now because we're now in a scramble because our customer is pushing to stay on time. And we have a lot of due diligence to do in order to stand behind that new claim that's appeared on packaging. So for us, it's really about communication early in the project, early in the process, making sure we have all come to what we call high agreement on the project brief before we start the work. So obviously communication is huge. And I'm guessing that even more of it is required than ever before, especially in a case like that, then you know for next time, okay, we clearly need to have a more detailed discussion about ingredients at the offset so that something like this doesn't happen again later on. What are some of the components of the conversations you have with people at the start of projects? Is it all expectations? Do you really get into the nitty gritty? Or what's the scale down of the conversation that you have with people? So our experience, and probably got to say eight to 10 years now, and I can't stress how important this is, is that we have taken on a new product development, or you often hear it called a NPD process or system. And that really clears up a lot of the expectations and what's critical to the project and the launch and what is nice to have, as I like to say. So many use a stage gate model in which a project is divided into specific stages right from pre-screening. And uh, pre-screening is important is because we will have typically a project brief put in front of us with our customer and we have a pre-meeting to talk about all the components of the project that are critical to the launch and what is possible and not possible. And so then when we begin the stage gate process, there are stages specific to all the different milestones that are required to achieve a successful project launch. But in between these stages are gates. 
And these gates are really critical because it allows for that continuation of the project to move forward with the right sign-offs, the right approvals at each gate to say, okay, we're on track, we're on scope, this is all working well, sign off, move on. And I think that is really, really critical. I, I can't express how much early alignment is important and also high agreement from both us and our customers from top down that this project makes sense is feasible and we can achieve the expectations put forward. Communication, to your point, is critical. So we've sort of slid into talking about how companies can overcome the various challenges when it comes to launching a new product. And you've just discussed a little bit about the kind of systems that need to be in place. Obviously, there's a ton of communication at the outset how important is it and how do you ensure that that communication continues throughout the project? Because obviously these projects take months at least. At and least. <laughs> and there, are, there are a lot of moving parts and a lot of people involved. So how do you ensure that not only that communication continues, but that you're communicating with the right people to mm -hmm. prevent communication breakdowns on either side? So there really are two aspects here. There is internal communication from our internal project team, and that is often done through our stage gate process where notifications will alert the team members or the department that's accountable for that stage to ensure they're staying on time, they're staying on scope. And so uh, we do have metrics and key performance indicators around our projects to ensure that our resources are being used effectively that we're communicating on the project performance. But also the second aspect here is we often have weekly project meetings with our customers. And that's really important for us and for them to ensure, again, we're staying on track, things are going well, we're raising our hands when something is not going well. I think we've learned, unfortunately, the hard way that not raising our hand early in a project or early in the process to say, this is not going well, this is not going to work long-term. You don't want to use hope as a process. We absolutely have, and we've learned from that. And so, yes, weekly project meetings with our customers are really critical. It keeps the project managers on either side communicating. And then also the key stakeholders at each stage of that project are constantly kept in the loop of how the project is going. Do they need to pivot? Do they need to make alternative arrangements? And so that we can ensure that the project is successful. What are some of the little things that companies can do to make everybody's lives easier? Communication is a big thing and process is a big thing. Are there any little things that you're going through and you're like, if we just did not have this little thing, things would be going so much more smoothly. Not a deal breaker, but like tiny annoyances that hold <laughs> up the process that are fairly easy fixes that if people go in with the right expectations, it doesn't happen and things go a little smoother. I would say, and to be fully transparent, we don't do it well, but I really wish what we did do well and did do consistently and diligently with every project is have a post-launch review. And so whether the project is small, it's a line extension or a renovation project, or it's a project that is huge where it requires new product format, new ingredient, new equipment, new process, like all the news. I wish we would really take a step back when the project is done consistently and talk about what went well and what didn't go well. And so then we can understand 
from what I like to call demonstrated performance as to how things should go based on our capabilities. Um, and then talk about what we would do differently and implement, whether it's new equipment, new processes, do we need different resources? I think all of that is really critical. And it's something we as a company have reflected and we've done so with our customers at a post-launch review or an after-action review, however you wish to call it, is really critical. So you can highlight those little things. I think that, again, as I said, communication is just so critical. Keeping track, whether it's a stage gate process, a... Microsoft Access program, whatever you need to track a project and track metrics, due dates, and holding team members accountable to what they've signed up for is really critical. So we've talked about challenges in having a successful launch. We've talked about some solutions and some ways to get through that. Before we wrap things up, let's go all the way back to the beginning. What do you think should be the number one consideration when contemplating a new product launch at all? So you're thinking about doing a new project. What are some of the things you need to consider? Because obviously you want it to be a success. You want to know it's going to be a success before you launch. I think when I think about ourselves and our customers, because we're a little bit unique where we don't have our own brand, right? So we are producing products for our customers. I think it's twofold from our customer's perspective is, has the market research shown that this product, this innovation is really something that a pet parent is willing to pay for this new product and innovation? Have they done the consumer insights, the consumer immersion to say this is an innovation that is either a gap or an unknown gap in the market and thus understanding its success in the market. So doing the research upfront is really critical. And then secondly, from our perspective, are we capable to produce this product for our customer as we committed to? So are we process capable? It's critical for us because we're both a creator and a manufacturer of pet food. And so we might have this great idea on paper, in concept. We might have formulated a beautiful concept in our, in our formulation program, but can we build that product the way it was intended time after time in our plants to the finished product specification, the nutrient profile, et cetera. So I think early in the process, we want to talk about feasibility. And I truly, truly love and really encourage Blue Sky Innovation, but I think as a company, and our customers, we need to commit to investing in that innovation, pivoting if we need to, adjusting, being agile in order to make that happen and be capable to do that time after time, batch after batch, run after run. Let's talk about Blue Sky Innovation for a minute, because I am curious. In your experience, where is the industry in terms of risk willingness? in terms of innovation? Are people mostly expanding on current products? Is there kind of an air of let's go with what we know works, but we'll tweak it a little bit? Or are there people out there who are really willing to take a risk and try something completely new, either for their company or something that they believe is truly new to the industry and is filling a niche? Where do you think the industry is versus where you think it should be? I've certainly seen an evolution over time. I would say early years when I started in the industry, there was not a lot of breakthrough innovation. 
It was typically core innovation, line extensions, and what was really exciting was bringing in a novel protein, right? So we were producing beef, lamb, turkey, salmon, and bison came along and it was really something innovative. I think the industry has evolved and whether it's humanization, which I really don't think is a trend any longer, I think that is a very purposeful choice now we're making for our pets, but whether it's humanization, premiumization, thinking about our planet, our waters, et cetera. I think companies have absolutely embraced the fact that in order to grow, in order to stay relevant, they have to challenge the status quo. And I love that. And I love that opportunity every single time it comes our way. And I think we have to be prepared, like I said earlier, invest whether it's resources, tools, equipment, innovations, technologies, processes to make that happen. But I think you also have to be committed to that, that if you're going to take on a sustainability initiative, it's not just about saying, check the box, we are now sustainable as a company. It's beyond that. It's beyond signing up, paying forward. It's really about investing, ensuring it's part of now your culture and your behaviors. So love Blue Sky, as I said, I really do. It's just really embracing it as this isn't just a project and initiative. It's who we want to represent. And what are we going to do to commit to that long-term? Communication and commitment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sounds like two very important things to be going into any kind of product development with to say nothing of the larger scope in a company's place in the pet food industry right now. On that note, I want to thank you very much for your insights, Leah. I think you've provided a lot of food for thought when it comes to new product launches from all different parts of the process as well as a great preview of some of the topics that we're going to be covering during Pet Food Essentials. Before we go, let's do a little plug. Where can people find you in Simmons Pet Food? Where are you guys going to be hanging out at Pet Food Forum? We have a great booth. We just launched our booth last year and it was super fantastic. So we have a great booth. We are at 2118 at Pet Food Forum this year. Really, please come by and visit us. Uh, We always love chatting with our industry partners. I will be all over the place like I normally am, whether I'm attending one of the pet food talks or just walking the floor. And I try to spend as much time as I can at the booth. So would love to see you and connect again and collaborate. Thank you again, Lindsay. Thank you. Once more, Leah will be one of our Pet Food Essentials speakers on May 2nd. As the Prelude to Pet Food Forum, this year's Essentials theme is the path to product development success, and Leah will be discussing managing expectations, timelines, and competing priorities. Pet Food Forum 2022 is being held May 2nd through 4th in Kansas City, Missouri. You can find more information about Pet Food Essentials and Pet Food Forum at PetFoodForumEvents.com, and we hope to see you there. That's it for this episode of Trending Pet Food. You can find us on PetFoodIndustry.com, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast platform. Once again, I'm Lindsay Beaton, your host and editor of Pet Food Industry Magazine, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in.